Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast. We are previewing the championship week, week 16. How are your teams doing, Los? Well, we might be previewing your championship. Hopefully, we're previewing multiple of our listeners' championships, but we're certainly not previewing any of my championships. That's where I'm at, Monk. Take us into it. I mean, that doesn't really shock me. Usually, I'm right and you're oh. wrong. Hey, 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 hey. If You know what? Never mind. <laughs> um... But yeah, I mean, at, at least you have the uh, the solace of knowing that you uh, had fun this year. Isn't that right, Los? No, I didn't have a damn second of fun, Mung. Third place is not fun. <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, you know what? Hopefully, uh, as Los said, uh, a lot of you out there, if you're listening to this show, you're not just listening for the fun of it. Uh, you're in the money, at least. And uh, we wish you good luck. Uh, but... This week, uh, I think you know where we're going for the close shave, Los. Oh, come on. The only place this podcast could go. <laughs> New England at Pittsburgh was the best game of 2017, hands down, so far. Um, this is pretty much a potential preview of the AFC Championship game next month, and man, there were some fireworks going on here. So to all the Steelers fans out there, uh, this game likely would have gone very differently had Antonio Brown not gotten injured early on, but that doesn't change the fact that one future Hall of Fame tight end named Robert Paxton Gronkowski put the Patriots on his back in a crucial game against the conference rival. Pittsburgh defense limited Gronk to two catches for 33 yards in the first half, but he exploded in the second half of the game, finishing the day with nine catches for a career-high 168 yards and a crucial two-point conversion to put New England up three points with under a minute to go. By the way, on that game-winning drive, Gronk had 69 yards. Get your close shave like Gronk with Gillette, the best a man can get. Same great blades, now for less. Pricing applies to select products and is at the sole discretion of the retailer. And that entire bit would have been completely wiped away if Mike Tomlin knew what a field goal was. But, you know, I digress. I mean, uh, Mike Tomlin's always been the the risk, uh, you know, go big or go home kind of coach, and sometimes it works for him, and sometimes it doesn't. That's true. And and th- they still probably have the number two seed uh, locked up regardless. Anyways, uh, we'll take you into this week's games. Indianapolis at Baltimore, Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Uh, this week, Jacoby Brissett was limited under 160-yard passing with 18 yards and a rushing touchdown, preserving his day in Denver. He's a quarterback, too, on the road here in Baltimore. Uh, the rushing touchdowns are great, but they do come and go. Gore will be a low-end running back, too, as he gets carries in what may be his final two games of his career. Um, it really could be. Uh, I'd avoid Hilton again here if possible, merely a flex option at best. Uh, Jack Doyle had another nice week, 7 for 47. Should be a good floor tight end option here. Uh, add Marlon Mack in your dynasty leagues. That's that's your cult. Yeah, real quick, going back to that Pittsburgh game, um, what do you think about this? I, I was thinking about this earlier today. How would you feel if they had run a draw with Le'Veon Bell on that last play? They had a they had a they had a uh, they had a timeout. I thought that's definitely what they were going to do. Yeah, I 
you know, for a second, I thought that's what they're going for. And then they threw the pick. So, all right. Um, but you know, as, as Bill Belichick would say, we are on to Indy at Baltimore. Um, <laughs> as you said, Frank Gore, I think he'll be a flex play. Baltimore's run defense is still very good. And I expect the Colts to struggle here on the road. Um, the good news is he's got an okay floor in PPR because Gore has been involved in the pass catching game recently. And as you said, with T.Y. Hilton, he'll be a wide receiver three option. You know, the Ravens secondary, they, they played a little bit better in their second week without Jimmy Smith, but Hilton should catch a few balls here and there. Maybe has a has a shot at a touchdown as well. And as you said, I like Doyle quite a bit here. Baltimore struggled a lot against covering opposing tight ends. And either way, Doyle is Brissett's favorite check down option here. Uh, I love him. I think he'll be, uh, you know, a mid-level tight end one. For the Ravens, Joe Flacco was fine in spot duty versus Cleveland for you. Could have been better, just one touchdown, but what do you want? He's a decent spot option again if needed here. Macklin left the game, and Wallace continued to be their wide receiver one, six on 10 for 89. Um, high five for our, for our call on Ben Watson at tight end, four for 74 in the touchdown, but I would look elsewhere this week. Uh, don't be scared off, off by this running back box score. Alex Collins, 12 only, 12 for 19 yards only with five for 33 to Buck Allen's 13 carries, 70 yards. Baltimore was in mop of duty when Allen was in. They wanted to preserve Collins. He's a solid running back two option here versus Indianapolis. Danny Woodhead had only one carry, but six catches, seven targets, 31 yards receiving. They're trying, but but this is championship week, and I'm not trusting that they haven't figured out for him yet. Keep him on your bench. Yeah, I would say Flacco is an okay mid-level QB2 option, but I think there's better quarterback streamers available out there. I could easily see multiple touchdowns from the running game, given the Colts' defensive struggles there as well. Alex Collins, he's a must-play high-end RB2, huge ceiling this week. And, you know, like you said, ideally you're not starting Danny Woodhead or Buck Allen, but they're both going to be risky flex options here if you're desperate. This should be a pretty high-scoring game for Baltimore. And, it actually sounds like Jeremy Macklin may be out with that knee is- issue that's been bugging him all season. And assuming that's the case, I like Mike Wallace quite a lot as a high-end wide receiver three. Um, and as you said, Ben Watson is risky. But uh, if Macklin is out, uh, you know he might see a few extra targets with Macklin gone. And he'll be an okay mid-level tight end, too, again this week, I think. I'll take the Baltimore Ravens against the uh, former Baltimore Colts, huh? Yeah, I, I was looking through, and I think there were very few games this week that we disagree on, and, and I'm going to be interested to see how Vegas handle, handles these odds because, for me, it, it seems like there are some pretty clear-cut winners uh, this week, but I will take Baltimore as well. Your next Saturday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern game. Again, make sure you have your lineup set. Saturday, not Sunday, Saturday. Uh, Minnesota at Green Bay. I know I shouldn't be a Bears fans, but Bears fan, but I'm rooting for the Vikings to make the Super Bowl this year. How good would those storylines be? Owning the home road on the at a home Minnesota Super Bowl, Teddy Bridgewater coming back and causing questions at quarterback. Although he threw an interception immediately on return, but hey, he hasn't played in two years. Cut him some slack. Uh, Diggs went five for thirty in the touchdown to Thielen's three for thirty only. Expected better days. For from both versus Cincinnati, but they didn't need it here. Only 23 pass attempts total. Both are solid options versus Green Bay. Thielen's a wide receiver one for me. Diggs a wide receiver two. Derek McKinnon, call me crazy, but McKinnon will finish with running back one numbers this week versus the Packers. And Murray will be a solid flex option despite a nice 104 and touchdown day. Rudolph left with an injury, returned to score a touchdown. He's a low end tight end one this week. 
I, I got to be honest here. I didn't get to see a ton of that Cincinnati-Minnesota game, but I'm not too worried about Adam Thielen this week. Uh, as you said, I think he'll be a fine wide receiver <clears throat> one despite that down week last week if you were able to survive that. Um, Case Keenum should be a decent high-end QB two, and I still have digs in that wide receiver three range behind some other guys that I think have a higher floor, but uh, certainly Diggs has high upside in a big divisional game at Green Bay this week. Um, and then Kyle Rudolph's ranking for me is going to depend a little bit on the health of that ankle. If he's healthy, I think he'll be a strong mid-level tight end one. And if not, he'll still be a back-end tight end one, assuming he can be active on game day. Um, and as for the running backs, I, I don't normally like it when you're right, Lewis, but I would love to <laughs> see you prove uh, prove yourself this week and have Jarek McKinnon put up RB1 numbers. I will be playing him in one league. Um, but that said, I, I, for me personally, I still have Latavius Murray ranked a few spots higher than McKinnon, but I would say both are back-end RB2s this week and in Green Bay against the defense that's really struggled this year. For Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers is back. 290 yards, three touchdowns, and three uncharacteristic interceptions. Those will improve. Those will go away. He's a quarterback one, despite the matchup here versus Minnesota. Uh, we'll have to see the reports on Vontae Adams' injury, another concussion, but assuming he doesn't play, I expect Nelson to have a rough day when he's on road side of the field, and Cobb and Allison to have a healthy dose of targets here. Cobb over Allison, but both are flex options with Rodgers at the helm. Uh, Jamal Williams was bottled up to the tune of 10 for 30 yards and seeded some work to Aaron Jones. He's still the starter, but just a low-end running back two here versus Minnesota. If Adams starts, I expect Xavier Rhodes to follow him a bit and leave some decent opportunity for Nelson. Roger showed that he does trust him as his guy, so uh, sort of sort of depends on Devontae Adams' health heading into this game, how, how you use these wide receivers. Well, there's a lot actually up in the air here. So if Atlanta beats Tampa Bay tonight, that's it for the Packers' playoff chances. And uh, there's a chance that Green Bay could choose to bench Aaron Rodgers to protect that still-healing collarbone. Uh, they really have nothing to gain here. Um, but on the other hand, Minnesota is fighting for a first-round bye week in the playoffs, so the Packers could try and play spoiler here against a divisional rival. Um, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is going to push to play. He's going to want to, but... Green Bay actually re-signed Joe Callahan today, so they may be preparing to start Brett Hundley and sit Rodgers just to, you know, not risk his health for no reason. So honestly, depending on what happens here, if Rodgers sits, I'm avoiding everyone on Green Bay in that scenario. Um, in general, I, th I would say Devontae Adams is unlikely to return for this, ga this game. Uh, this is his second concussion this season. And the Packers play on Saturday, so he loses that extra day to clear the protocol here. Um, my expectation right now is I would think Hundley starts, and I would say really only Randall Cobb and Jamal Williams are going to be very low-end, risky flex options. Uh, Jordy, a desperation wide receiver four with Xavier Rhodes shadowing him. Uh, I really don't like any of the Packers players this week, assuming Hundley starts. And even if Rodgers were to start, uh, I mean, you would start him, but it's still a very tough matchup for all of his weapons there. You may be right on the money there. Give me Minnesota on the road. Yeah, I will take Minnesota as well. Cleveland at Chicago, noon, Sunday, Christmas Eve. Deshaun Kaiser's throwing picks left and right now. There's better options. He has high upside, but zero floor. Josh Gordon went 5 of 11 for 47 yards, continues to be fed, continues as a wide receiver, too, with that volume. Corey Coleman, just one catch and a def def uh, definite avoid for championship week here. 
Duke Johnson's a running back two. He has been all season. He added another combined 63 yards and a touchdown and five catches. Just so solid. Isaiah Crowell went five catch, uh, five carries for 72 yards, including a 59-yard run. He had a terrible day outside of that, and Joku was held catchless. Uh, that's your Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I have Josh Gordon as a low-end wide receiver, too, and Duke Johnson as a low-end RB, two, and Crowell as a flex. Let's move on. The Bears are really uh, trying to be just as bad as the Browns here. Mitch Trubisky did not have a remotely good showing versus Detroit. 314 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. Bad decisions abound. Cleveland is a great team for spot starts, but who do you go to here? Howard obviously is lower end running back one, but none of their wide receivers have any consistency whatsoever. Just a total waste in this matchup. If you're desperate, Kendall Wright may sneak in wide receiver two type numbers, but none of these are better than a really, really gutsy flex option that I'm not comfortable taking. Tariq Cohen only had six touches. Again, not doing it. Come on, John Fox, be better. Yeah, uh, hopefully we won't see Fox again uh, in Chicago oh. for some time uh, after this year. But uh, for Give me right John now, Gruden, man. I wish, man. That would that would just be so much fun, even if he even if he weren't able to uh, succeed there. But even if he sucks, that's right. <laughs> he he brings that hard nosed mentality to Chicago. Just what we want. Heck, give me Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. unlikely, but I'd love to see that. Give me some khakis Absolutely. in Chicago. Um, Absolutely. But for fantasy this week, Jordan Howard, I've got him as high on RB2. He did catch a few passes last week, so that makes you feel a little bit better about his PPR floor. Um, all these wide receivers are desperation <laughs> plays. I would try to avoid all of them. And really the only other guy to maybe consider if you're super desperate is Adam Shaheen. He missed the Detroit game with a chest injury, but if he's active, he's a possible tight end two option to consider. Um, other than Green Bay in Week 14, no team has had a tight end score fewer than 10 points in PPR against the Browns since Week 3. So, you know, if if Shaheen is there, then, uh, you know, maybe give him a shot if you're desperate. If he isn't, is Deion Sims still healthy? Is he even still on the team? I've lost track. I mean, again, it depends how deep a league you're in. I, I'd imagine there are better tight end options, but if there's really nobody, yeah. then maybe it, it is Cleveland, and they it seem to such forget an, such a nice the tight end up. exists. What a waste. Uh, give me Chicago to win with after a struggle at home. Yeah, you know John Fox is going to uh, take this game super seriously as if you know the playoffs are on the line or something. Oh, yeah. Tampa Bay at Carolina. Uh, th this is not really a team I want to rely on at this point. Maybe tonight they'll put together a performance to change my mind. Winston's an upside quarterback, too, he'll, who will throw them into trouble here and then need to keep throwing and throwing. I like Barber over Martin, but they may give Martin more work again. Yet, he is he is uh, a healthy and active this game, so maybe they're seeing what I'm seeing, and maybe Peyton Barber shows us tonight that he will slot in as a running back, too, here versus Carolina. Evans should be a wide receiver one. I, I you know, emphasize the word should. The tight ends have lost their consistency of usage, and nothing about this matchup really points me towards Deshaun Jackson whatsoever. Yeah, really here, Evans is the only viable option. He'll be a boomer bust mid-level wide receiver too. Um, we'll see how Peyton Barber's usage looks like tonight. Uh, we, we just saw Atlanta score, so we have yet to see Tampa Bay's offense tonight. Um, if he is the starter and gets a workhorse sort of workload or even, you know, 50, 60% of the touches here, 
Um, it is important to note that Thomas Davis is suspended for two games for his hit on Devontae Adams. He may appeal and, you know, get that lowered, but I think he's going to serve at least one game. So that does help the running backs a little bit for Tampa Bay. But even then, I would, I would say Peyton Barber is still just a flex play. Cam Newton had a huge four-touchdown day, day versus Green Bay and will be dialed in as quarterback one versus Tampa. I expect fewer than his 14 carries, but maybe not a ton fewer. That offense looked really good with those three backfield rushing options, him and Stewart and McCaffrey. A uh, good call on benching Jonathan Stewart, 11 carries, 27 yards only. McCaffrey went 12 carries, 63 yards with six of seven catching for 73 and a touchdown. Big time day for him. He's a PPR running back two. Greg Olson is officially back in action. Start him up if you've been waiting. Nine catches on 12 targets, 116 yards and a touchdown. Looking great. Missing you in Chicago, big Greg. Devin Funches was only one for four, 19 yards. Could have scored a touchdown here. It, it'd be hard for him to repeat such a terrible day. He's a low-end wide receiver two option here, and I really can't explain why he was so bad this past game. Uh, he, he did have an almost touchdown. He was blasted in the uh, shoulder and dropped that pass, but, you know, one pass can change the change the story of a day, but Funches still should have had more than one catch. Yeah, if you survive that, I think you're starting him again as a high-end wide receiver, too. This Tampa Bay secondary really can't stop anybody. Um, but certainly, I, I love Cam as a QB1. I've got McCaffrey as a low-end RB1. I think you and I have him and Jordan Howard switched in our rankings. Um, mm -hmm. And, yeah, I mean, Greg Olson showed us he was back. Uh, I mean, we told you to bench him last week because he just hasn't shown anything yet, and then this happens. So I, I really don't know how, how to explain that. Uh, I, I guess he all of a sudden is feeling better. Yeah, and, and he'll be feeling even better at home, right? Oh, yeah, especially against that Tampa Bay secondary. Fire him up. Yep. Uh, give me Carolina. Yep, Carolina. Detroit at Cincinnati. Matt Stafford handled the Bears as he should have and will be a great quarterback one option versus the Bengals who are dead on their feet. Unfortunately, the backfield is a total mess. Riddick is still my only startable option in the backfield, but it's just he's just a flex in this messy, messy situation. He got eight carries and three targets in Chicago, with Tyon Green having 10 carries and Amir Abdullah with one carry and four targets. Anything could happen there. Uh, though I love Marvin Jones and Golden Tate here, both as strong wide receiver twos this week. And Eric Hebron turned another touchdown on five for 33. He's a tight end stream option with some consistency shown the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I really don't have a whole lot to add to what you said. I, I've been preaching about Eric Ebron for, uh, I think, a few weeks now. He's a viable streaming tight end two option if you've been spinning that wheel at the tight end. And uh, by the way, just a quick game note here, Ricardo Allen just lit up Cameron Braid. So if for some reason he's out with concussion or something next week, if O.J. Howard were the only tight end, he'd be interesting. Yeah, definitely. If, if only one of them's in game, that changes the script completely. Um, yeah, that's all I got on Detroit. I, I think uh, you hit the nail spot on there. Thank you. <clears throat> Sorry. As for Cincinnati, uh, they, they make me sick, if you, if you couldn't tell. Andy Dalton's been pulled two weeks in a row now. Absolutely not good. Joe Mixon wasn't cleared to play, but if he does, he gets a great matchup here versus Detroit in their run defense. Or Bernard does if he remains out. Uh, Green was held to two for 30. Awful day against Minnesota and draws Darius Slay, who's no Xavier Rhodes, but is good enough in his own right to ruin your championship bid here. Green is a wide receiver, too. Reports are Marvin Lewis is leaving this team. It's, it's time to rebuild, guys. Yeah, I mean, I, you can't just bench A.J. Green, but it also depends on your options. Uh, again, 
uh, as you said, Darius Slay has been quite good. Uh, it just you don't feel great about AJ Green. Uh, he might get you, you know, good, a good amount of points, but I don't think he's gonna have a blow up week by any means. And as you said, uh, depending on the running back health situation, assuming Mixon is back from that concussion, he'd be a high end RB three. Uh, and if not, I think, uh, you know, I excuse me, I think Gio Bernard, not Mixon, would be a uh, a flex option still, just with a lower ceiling. Uh, but certainly in PPR, I think uh, whoever does start will get the majority of the touches in this one. They do get catches out of that backfield. Uh, give me Detroit at home or on the road. I will take Detroit as well. Miami at your Kansas City Chiefs. Jay Cutler came back to Jay Life with three interceptions on the road in Buffalo. Obviously avoid him despite what should be a good matchup here. Uh, Jar- uh, wow, Jarvis Landry. I'm Landry, uh, sticks in a great floor wide receiver two spot here, 10 of 13 for 99 last week. Devontae Parker had 12 targets last week, but he's in a void against Marcus Peters here. Kenny Stills only at six targets, but I think he's a decent flex option this game. And if Damian Williams remains sidelined, Kenyon Drake has been a beast. 78 yards and a touchdown with six catches for 35 yards on 11 targets here. He will be a low-end running back one here if Damian does not cut into his time this week. Uh, that is in a PPR, of course. Right. As you said, the big question is going to be whether Damian Williams is back. Uh, if Williams is out again, then Kenyon Drake would be a high-end RB2. If Williams is back, then Drake would drop to a low-end RB2. Williams a flex option here. Um, I like Landry as you do. Continue that solid streak as a reliable mid-end wide receiver too. And I I do think Stills has some flex upside here. Marcus Peters doesn't really shadow, so I'd assume that Stills is going to line up away from him for the most part. The Chiefs are maddeningly inconsistent, but seem to have found their way yet again. Alex Smith, the low-end quarterback, one versus Miami. Hunt is a running back one again after 24 carries, 155 yards and a touchdown, plus Seven catches, 51 yards, and another receiving touchdown. Miami really played up to New England, but I'm still starting Hill with confidence as a wide receiver, too. Buffalo obviously didn't have any wide receivers to challenge uh, Xavier. Can't remember his last name, uh, but uh, that's another story. Travis Kelsey's locked in as ever. That's about it. Yeah, you're you're starting your normal chief studs. and Yeah, I guess I count Alex Smith in there as a stud. <laughs> sure. Uh, Chiefs at home. Give me the Chiefs. For the rest of the AFC East, Buffalo at New England. Tyrod Taylor did his thing versus Miami. 224 yards and a touchdown on 29 attempts with 42 yards and a touchdown rushing. He's my favorite of the rushing quarterbacks outside of Cam Newton this week. LaShawn McCoy just continuing to man up, setting records. Another 100 yards from scrimmage and one touchdown. An obvious running back one here. That's all I'm starting against the Pats, though. Uh, you all know I'm a big Charles Clay guy, but New England has been solid against the tight end. You might catch lightning in a bottle with Zay Jones in a daily or something, though, but I'm not doing it this week. Yeah, really, it's going to be Tyrod and McCoy here, uh, as you said. I, I think Tyrod Taylor's got a pretty decent floor with that rushing ability, and I think we could certainly see some uh, fireworks here in garbage time. I think that's a possibility. And then uh, McCoy, you're starting as an RB1. The New England running defense can't stop anybody right now. As for New England, TB12 and company put it together in the fourth quarter, just like you told us to steal this one. Three big completions to Gronk in that final drive. Things look good. No reason to shy away from Brady, Gronk, Cooks, or Lewis. Rex Burkhead was injured in the third. Um, but White did not see any increase of work here. So I would err on the side of avoiding uh, James White in the lineup. 
Chris Hogan was a late scratch, so monitor his progress here, but he could have a nice return game. Yeah, quick game update. It looks like on that scoring drive where Tampa Bay scored a touchdown by O.J. Howard, both O.J. Howard and Deshaun Jackson are now being looked at for like leg or ankle injuries. So, yeah, really, you're playing Mike Evans and, and nobody else on Tampa <laughs> um, in Peyton terms Barber, of the man, receivers. Yeah, um, but as you said, I think for New England, Buffalo's a bit tougher than people think with that defensive line really getting to Brady last time these two teams faced off. Of course, I'm not saying you're going to bench Brady, but just food for thought. Brady had his worst fantasy game of the year a few weeks ago at Buffalo, so we'll see. Um, we'll see about Chris Hogan's shoulders, excuse me, shoulder as well. He'll be a guy to monitor when the practice reports come out later in this week. I will say I love Deion Lewis. Uh, he, I, he's a high-end RB2, almost in, in that RB1 category. I think he's going to be a workhorse with Burkhead out. But there is the risk. Uh, the reason that I I'm say there's a little bit of risk with Deion Lewis is, remember Mike Gillisley from like week one, week two? I do. I do. So, and do you remember the name Jonas Gray? Of course I do. Three <laughs> touchdowns, 290 yards from scrimmage. Record-setting. Patriots running back. I think it was four touchdowns, actually. Wow. Even um, worse. I could be wrong, but anyway, uh, this is a game where I think Belichick may want to protect Brady a little bit from taking unnecessary hits, and this is a game where he's going to try to exploit the opponent's biggest weakness, and that's Buffalo's run defense. I, I don't think it's totally crazy to think that we could see like a surprise activation of Mike Gillisley with like three vultured touchdowns. So I, I don't know that I would want to toss him into a championship lineup in a redraft league or something like that, but just something to consider, uh, for, especially for DFS if you're a big underdog and you, know, you, you want that GPP play. But if you're desperate and you've been just rolling out Rex Burkhead in RB2 and there's nobody on the waiver wire or something like that, crazier things have happened. Um, I'm just saying. Yeah. I love the call. I love the call. I love the scouting out here. Nobody changes things up quite like Bill Belichick. Uh, give me New England at home. Yeah, I will take New England as well. Atlanta at New Orleans. Tonight we get a showdown of last year's NFC champ and this year's possible NFC champ. Uh, for our purposes, though, Ryan will be a quarterback two, Julio wide receiver one, and we need to watch and see the health of these running backs. Unfortunately, uh, Austin Hooper has been getting on and off the targets. We'll see what happens here. Sanu is a wide receiver, too, instead of a flex for me with Lattimore on Julio Jones. Yeah, I like all those calls, and I think uh, Devontae Freeman should be a low-end RB1. I'd, I'd expect both teams here to want to run the ball a lot, and assuming Tevin Coleman is able to play, he'll be a flex play as well in PPR. Now the Saints are at home and will look to dominate the Falcons to keep hold of the division title. Breeze is a quarterback one for me. Ingram went 12 carries 74 yards and two touchdowns with five catches for 77 yards of receiving and El Camara 12 carries 44 yards with six catches 45 yards and a touchdown I only say all this to reiterate how crazy their numbers are and if you don't believe a team can have two running back ones well they can Michael Thomas is a wide receiver one also nine for 93 and a touchdown and the rest of the team is really unavoidable that that's probably the, the real reason that they can have two true running back ones because the the rest of the offense is just getting spread apart here hither and thither El Kamara has really taken on that secondary receiver role mm -hmm. really not a whole lot to add here um the only thing is we'll see if Ted Ginn can return here from that rib issue that he's having 
while I don't necessarily think he would be a huge fantasy contributor, I do think that having Ginn back on the field would help stretch the field for the running backs, and it would take away a little bit more coverage from Michael Thomas. Ginn himself would probably just be a desperation flex play, though, with Atlanta taking the deep passes away for the most part. I will take the Saints at home. I will take the Saints as well. L.A. Chargers, New York Jets. Phillip Rivers did not capitalize on the matchup with Kansas City. Three interceptions, 227 yards, and one touchdown. A sub-10-point day. He's a quarterback, two here after that disappointment against a uh, not-awful Jets defense, actually. Melvin Gordon continued to roll with 170 combined yards, six catches and a touchdown. Allen was really bothered by KC's defense, but did record 10 points before he left the game with a back injury. The early reports are that he'll play Week 16, and he'll be a high-end wide receiver, too, if he's active. Tyrell Williams is a flex play, but would get a bump up if Allen mixes this game. Hunter Henry struggled with only three of three for 28 at KC, and he had as a last-rated kitty. If he plays, he's a tight end one. But if he's out, do we start Antonio Gates? Uh, honestly don't know here. Gates, I think Gates would be on the tight end two radar for the first time in forever, but assuming that Keenan Allen plays and Hunter Henry's out, I would think that would bump up Keenan and Tyrell Williams' targets here. Um, yeah, I have Keenan Allen as a high and wide receiver two if he's good to go, and Tyrell Williams is a high and wide receiver three or flex play. And Also, you know, I'm sorry, that was a bad call on Phillip Rivers on my part. Uh, you know, there was... Uh, he was playing so hot against the mediocre uh, Chiefs secondary, but Rivers always manages to tank against the Chiefs. Uh, but that said, Rivers should be a low-end QB1 this week against a poor Jets secondary. The bigger story here for me is the running back situation, because with Austin Eckler out now with a broken hand, Melvin Gordon returns to top five elite RB1 status. Eckler was stealing away touches in the passing game, which limited Gordon's ceiling, but now that he's back to being a true workhorse, uh, he's an elite guy, and I guess, you know, Travis Benjamin may be a desperation wide receiver for, but I doubt he's been in your lineups if you're, if you've made it this far to the championship week. Just think how good they could be if, if Melvin Gordon was actually an elite running back, right? Uh, you know, people have, people have their knocks on Gordon, but I, I think he's up there. He's a top 10 talent in the NFL at running back. Yeah, I don't know. The New York Jets put up 19 points on the Saints' defense, better than expected, but I'm not putting my chips on the table with them in my hand. Uh, Joey Bosa will eat Bryce Petty for supper. Robbie Anderson went 5 of 12 for 40 yards. No uh, no, no efficiency there. And gets Casey Hayward this week. Curse, 3 for 28. ASJ, 2 for 13. None of this is worth losing your championship over. And I'll give Powell flex consideration, but nobody anything else. Yes. Eli McGuire had a touchdown. Good for him. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah, Bilal Powell and Robbie Anderson are both low-end flex plays for me, and the, 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 that's all, folks. <laughs> Thank you, Porky. Give me the Chargers at home, uh, on the road. Yeah, I'll take the Chargers. Your other L.A. team, L.A. Rams at Tennessee. The Rams stomped on the Seahawks. Embarrassing for them, but they got exactly what they deserved after the week prior. Jared Goff is a solid quarterback, one versus Tennessee. Todd Gurley won another 21 carries, 152 yards, and three touchdowns with another three catches, 28 yards, and a fourth touchdown. Just an astounding day of offense. He's, of course, a running back one. Robert Woods is back with six catches, 45 yards, and a touchdown. A fringe wide receiver one for me. Yes, I said it, one. There should be nothing to stop him here. 
Cooper Cup's a reasonable wide receiver three or flex, and I steer clear of the boomer bust of Sammy Watkins here. Ooh, that's a uh, that's a bold call on Robert Woods. Um, Boom. Yeah, I like Woods a lot, but he's still uh, a mid-level wide receiver too for me. Not quite there, um, but I certainly like him. Uh, I'm starting him. Goff, I think he'll be an okay QB two to consider if you like all of his weapons here. Then you're saying you like Goff, right? <laughs> um, yes, sir. Yeah, and uh, of course Todd Gurley, just a beast. Uh, if I mean, if you had like Todd Gurley or Kareem Hunt, or Melvin Gordon, or some combination of those guys, I would say the odds are probably in your favor that you made it to this week. So you're starting Gurley again. Absolutely. For the tight, speaking of exact opposite fantasy implications, gosh, uh, if LA can hang some points on Tennessee early, the run game will be dropped quickly, but Tennessee won't respond with an aerial attack like they did versus San Francisco. The Rams will shut down Mariota, force turnovers like we've seen this year. I'm basically avoiding this team except for Murray. I, I know you disagree, Monk, but he is the one in the passing downs, and, and that's the game script I see here. L.A. does have holes against the run, so Murray will have some success on the ground, and Tennessee will need to throw, so Murray will have some value there. He's a low-end running back, too, but I'm not touching Derrick Henry. Lenny Walker's a tight end one, one of the most solid guys in this league. The wide receivers were a mess in San Francisco, and that will not improve here versus L.A. Matthews was the best, 9 for 95, nine for 95 in a touchdown. Then Decker, 5 for 63. Davis, 3 for 28. The production was there. But San Francisco is not good. LA is. And Gurley will run this game out. Well, first off, I absolutely disagree in terms of the running back situation. Um, Derrick Henry actually had two catches on two targets versus DeMarco Murray's one catch on one target against San Francisco. That game. (laughs) Fair enough. But still, I, I think that Murray just looks old out there. He looks gassed, and Her- Henry's going to be the more reliable guy at this point. I think they want to use him in those critical situations. And, you know, that said, I, I do agree with the game flow being how you predicted it to be here. I think they're going to be playing from behind, and I would expect some garbage time from Rashard Matthews. He'll be a low-end wide receiver three or flex play here. Um, and either way, I don't like either of these running backs. <laughs> we don't really need to argue over who. I, I think... Both of them are low-end flex plays, and I'd rather start guys like Kerwin Williams and Jonathan Stewart this week over either of the Tennessee running backs. There we go. Um, I I think it shouldn't shouldn't be a shocker who we're taking here then. Give me the Rams. Yep, Rams. All right. Denver at Washington. Another week of craziness for the Broncos, and who knows who's going to start now. Osweiler came in relief for Trevor Simeon and looked pretty good, but Paxton Lynch is set to be ready to play this week. Will this affect anything? Probably not. Demarius Thomas, the low-end wide receiver three. Sanders is about the same. Latimer and Hoyerman had the touchdowns versus Indy helping literally nobody, and T.J. Anderson earned himself running back two consideration. If they're going to keep giving him 30 carries, he's talented enough to do something with it. Again, own Booker in a dynasty. He may be the man next season. Ooh, I'm uh, I'm not with you at all on that C.J. Anderson call here. For me, I, I think that was completely game flow dependent. Uh, this is something where, I mean, basically they just dominated Indianapolis in that game, and I don't see that happening here. I, I would expect Washington to lead for a lot of this game, and I think that sets up more of a Devontae Booker in the receiving game. Um, he would be, I mean, I don't want to start any of these guys, to be honest, but I would prefer Booker over Anderson this week in PPR. 
Um, and Emmanuel Sanders might not even play this game. He re-injured that ankle uh, against the Colts. And, I mean, Sanders is questionable, but even if he's active, he's just a high-end wide receiver four. Um, I do agree with your call with Demarius Thomas as that wide receiver three or flex play. He should see a ton of targets regardless of um, whether Paxton Lynch starts this game. For Washington, Kirk Cousins won a close one at home versus Arizona, under 200 yards with two touchdowns, and he may have injured his back, though did not leave the game. Um, he's a low-end quarterback, one versus Denver, if he's healthy. Uh, Sam H. Perrine, I don't know how to say it, nor do I care. He's going to be done by the end of next season. He really let me down here. 14 carries, 37 yards with two touches for 29. So pre-Vib got more passing game work, despite not being a passing down back. Green's just a flex option versus Denver. Doxon will have another tough day with probably Aqib Tlaib on the other side. The tight ends have fallen to crap, and Crowder should be the team's top scorer this week, and he's a wide receiver three. That tells you what Washington's going to do. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Crowder really is the only viable option here as a wide receiver three. I have Cousins even as a high-end QB two this week. Uh, that Washington offensive line is really struggling, and even though the Broncos' defense hasn't been putting up those fantasy stats, uh, there's still a rough matchup for this Washington team that just struggles to pass protect. Um, I don't really love anybody here for fantasy. Uh, P. Ryan, I think, just a flex play. Uh, but I will take Washington at home. Yeah, I'm taking Washington too, but I, I, I doubt they score 25 points. I doubt they combine for 25 points this game. Yeah. Jacksonville at San Francisco kicks off the 4 p.m. Sunday game. Jacksonville is completely dominant, 45-7 to versus Houston, and will dominate here in San Francisco. Bortles is a solid option at quarterback one. Fournette was a late scratch. If he plays, he's a quarterback one. Otherwise, the backfield looked pretty bad, actually. Ivory Edwards, two and a half yards per carry on his 17. Yeldon was better with seven for 27 and four catches for 25. And Cora Grant actually went 10 carries, 69 yards with a 20-yard touchdown run late in the game. The fullback dove in for two short touchdowns. It's Fournette or nobody to me. Uh, Ivory was too ineffective, but the number two, but is the number two here. Uh, Marquise Lee went down with injury early, and Westbrook, Westbrook was held two catches, 21 yards. I like him as a nice upside wide receiver three here where I don't know what to do with Coles, seven catches on nine targets, 186 yards. I mean, if, if he starts and Marquise Lee's out, I certainly can't hold it against you for giving him a shot here at San Francisco. Yeah, I, I think I'm on board with you. Um, I, I still like D.D. Westbrook as a wide receiver three as well, despite that awful day against Houston. Um, you know, he had, he had that pass interference, and he should have had a better day, but Keelan Cole, I, I honestly don't know either. The San Francisco secondary is very suspect, and Cole's a desperation wide receiver for It's basically how crazy do you want to get? Do you want to start Keelan Cole and Mike Gillisley in your championship? And, <laughs> and you could, you, you'll be a legend either way because you're either going to go down in flames or you're going to pull up, you know, pull off some crazy upset. Um, but, you know, I, I'm glad to see you're on board with me this week, having Bortles as a low end QB1. Uh, I mean, it's a great matchup, and he's been playing great football. I mean, he's the fantasy quarterback, too, over the last month. So <laughs> can't argue with Hashtag the, YOLO. Can't argue with the results, right? The, um, Yeah, and then, you know, Chris Ivory got pulled against Houston after some awful runs, and TJ Hilton wasn't exactly great uh, replacing him either, but it sounds like Fournette's going to be good to go this week. Fire him up. Um, yeah, that's all I got for Jacksonville. Go.
uh, with San Fran. Jimmy G threw for 380 yards and a touchdown versus Tennessee with three wins for him now, but the fun's about to stop. He's not an option versus Jacksonville. Marquise Goodwin went 10 of 13 for 114 yards, but again, this is Jacksonville. He's a low-end wide receiver, too, volume-based. Jimmy Graham or Jimmy Garoppolo does like throwing to him. He's probably going to disappoint with wide receiver four-type numbers against this defense, though. Uh, either corner, no matter who he ends up being, is going to shut him down. Carlos Hyde is a running back three. That's all. Uh, though this team is young and fun and could be more fantasy-relevant offense next year, this is not their week. I think <clears throat> I, I don't love Goodwin this week either, uh, but I think he's still you know usable as a low-end flex play, as is Carlos Hyde. Um, for me, personally, on Jimmy Garoppolo, I think we might be seeing a statue of him in San Francisco in about 20 years. But uh, for this week, I'm avoiding all the Niners in fantasy if possible. This is a terrible matchup for a young and upcoming team, but uh, not. But Jacksonville is about three, four years uh, into a, a much better rebuild than they are right now. The, the one last note I'll say here, though, is Trent Taylor, an uh, incredibly cheap play in DFS. And I think if they can find a way to get him the ball in space, Taylor could do some damage as a GPP play in tournaments, uh, kind of like how Austin Eckler got some nice yards after the catch uh, in that game against Jacksonville a few weeks back. Look for those good value plays. Give me Jacksonville at ho- uh, on the road again. A lot of road teams, but pretty one-sided. Yeah, give me Jacksonville, a dark horse Super Bowl contender. There we go. New York Giants at Arizona, 4.30 p.m. Sunday. Uh, the Giants almost beat the league-leading Eagles, but don't get too excited. Backfield is a gross situation. Ingram's a tight end one. Jefferson wide receiver two, though he should draw some tough coverage here. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, ditto. Uh, I mean, Shepard, I think he'll get a decent matchup in the slot, but that's about it, Ingram and Shepard, and let's move on to the Cardinals. Oh, God, what can I give you on this side of the game? Arizona moved the ball decently well against Washington, but settled for five field goals. Fitz is a wide receiver two, even with Drew Stanton starting. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They will target Fitz. Maybe Ricky Seals-Jones with the Giants matchup here would be solid. Uh, New York gave up another two touchdowns to Ertz and Burton here. And now news came out that Kerwin Williams had an injured calf in that game, which is why the guy, I don't, I don't actually even know his name, but he was getting carries. You're not adding him starting him this week, so it's a moot point. Right. Uh, I think really you're starting Larry Fitzgerald as a wide receiver too here. Um and as you said, Ricky Seals-Jones, it's, you know, start your tight ends against Cleveland and the Giants. And, <laughs> I mean, if you're desperate, it uh, depends on who you got at tight end. Um, he'll be a streaming tight end I'm doing it in one league option. this week. I, I know that, which, it, it, which is sort of embarrassing, but it's going to happen. Hey, you know, at the end of the day, if the numbers are there, who cares what the name is? Right. Yeah. And uh, in terms of Kerwin Williams, I will say, I think he'll be a high-end RB3 or flex play if he's healthy enough to go. Um, as you said, he injured that, uh, what was it, a quad injury maybe? Um, was it a quad or a cat? Here, I've yeah. got it right here. Uh, I thought it was a quad. Oh, but, yeah, you're right. It was a quad. You're right. But regardless, if he's healthy enough to play, I would think he's still the workhorse here. Um, and the Giants defense, uh, you know, the run defense isn't great, and I think Arizona's going to run as much as possible to hide Drew Stanton. So I think Williams is an okay play. I'm actually going to take the Giants here. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm still taking the Giants, though. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Seattle at Dallas. Russell Wilson couldn't dial up his magic versus the Rams, held to just 142 yards and a touchdown and 40 yards rushing. But he's, of course, a quarterback one in Dallas. They had to abandon the run, which wasn't doing much anyways. I'm staying away from Mike Davis. But J.D. McKissick has definite PPR value as a flex. Six carries, 20 yards, plus those three catches for 38 yards receiving. This game, Jimmy Graham was held to one catch for negative one yards, while Luke Wilson caught the touchdown. Jimmy Graham's a top 10 tight end, sure, but he's not reliable anymore. And the wide receivers totally disappeared for Dallas. Uh, for Dallas, I'd go with Baldwin only and avoid the rest. It won't be this bad again. I expect wide receiver two type numbers from Baldwin, who was just one catch for six yards here. Yeah, I, I mean, Baldwin's still a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three, but the production just hasn't been there. This entire Seattle team is reeling right now, and I guess you still got to start Wilson, especially against that Dallas secondary, but I don't know how high the floor is. Um, as you know, we know the ceiling's always high. He put up the numbers against Jacksonville, even though it wasn't pretty. And then in terms of Jimmy Graham, I, I really don't know, but he's one of their primary goal line red zone targets. So it really only takes one catch to at least make your day. Okay. Uh, but certainly Graham has been lowered at this point to just a low-end tight end one if you've survived his last two weeks and, and won despite him. But uh, it's going to be another tough matchup for Jimmy Graham here with a healthy Sean Lee really dominating the middle of the field for Dallas. It's going to be hard to say what this Dallas offense is going to look like this week. Dallas just took one from the Raiders, and Zeke returns here, folks. You've been waiting for it, and here it is. Fire him up. For God's sake, cross your fingers for Dak and does that this offense returns to form. I'm not that. Uh, I, I mean, El Morris didn't run the ball poorly. They actually didn't lose the running game completely without Zeke. So I don't really see what's going to change all that much for Des and Dak here. Uh, I actually disagree here. I think Dak's going to be a, a pretty solid high end QB two this week at home. Ezekiel Elliott is back. Uh, I mean, as you said, Alfred Morris and Rod Smith filled in admirably um they performed relatively well but there's just a completely there's a huge gap between how scared defenses are of alfred morris and how scared they are of ezekiel elliott um speaking of zeke is locked in as a top five rb1 for me we saw Gronk take out that rage after a one game suspension zeke's been bottling this up for six weeks and if anything zeke didn't deserve the suspension uh, whereas Gronk did. So if you've made it this far without Elliot, just rejoice and, and reap that reward. Um, you're, you're starting him. Des, for me, he's a boom or bust back-end wide receiver too, and, and Jason Witten will be a high-end tight end too as well with Bobby Wagner still struggling with that hamstring in, in injury. Doesn't really look like he's fully up to speed. I'll take the Cowboys at Cowboys Stadium. Yeah, give me the Cowboys who are surprisingly still in the hunt for the playoffs. Pittsburgh at Houston, Monday, Christmas Day, 40.30 p.m. Uh, questionable decisions to end the game as Pittsburgh could have sent it to overtime at home or at least given it another shot with the terrible interception there. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, they will get to take it out in the Texans, and they are all solid plays. Ben and Bell are ones. Juju's a wide receiver, two with wide receiver, one scoring upside for me. I love him. Six of six for 114 yards, and you saw what he did late in that Patriots game. Martavis Bryant will also have wide receiver two upside with Brown injured. Certainly a tough player to lose for your team in the playoffs. Um, the only difference between what you said and what I'm thinking here is I would say that Martavis Bryant and Eli Rogers are both wide receiver three or flex plays. Uh, I think 
I, honestly, I think the bigger winner here um, with Antonio Brown out is going to be Jesse James. I think he's going to yeah. see a bunch more targets, especially if Vance McDonald misses another week um, with that shoulder injury. I, I think Jesse James is going to be a high-end tight end, too, for me in PPR this week. All right. Uh, with Houston, goodness, this team was bad versus Jacksonville. Finally scored late on a deep connection to the Andre Hopkins. Lamar Miller was just 9 for 32. He's just a wider uh, running back three or or even lower in another game where he may be game scripted out of completely. Uh, that said, Hopkins is the wide receiver one. Another four catches, 80 yards, and a touchdown on his 13 targets. And I, and I do think Fuller has some deep flex upside here if they can find a connection. I, I like Fuller more than Miller this week. Uh, Pitt's defense is nowhere near Jacksonville's level. Steven Anderson again went catchless. Yeah, I don't think we really need to spend any more time than we need to talking no. about the Texans. <laughs> I'll take uh, I'll take an angry Steelers team on the road. Steelers to fight for that uh, one seed. Oakland at Philadelphia Monday at 8.30 p.m. Not much to say about the Oakland offense. They've disappointed all year, and I don't like them versus Philadelphia any bit more. Lynch went 16 for 76 with three catches for 16 receiving yards. He's a running back three versus this tough Philly defense. Crabtree went off for seven catches, 39 yards, and two touchdowns. Ended my playoffs by 0.8 points. Thanks, Michael Crabtree. That was all she wrote for the Lows this year. Yeah, Marshawn Lynch uh, will be a decent flex play here, getting more a little bit more involved in recent games, uh, You know, really taking that workhorse role and, and getting more involved in catching passes. So a decent floor in PPR. And then Michael Crabtree, low-end wide receiver too, and on to the Eagles side. The Eagles beat the Giants, sure, but it but it sure wasn't pretty. Foles had four touchdowns somehow, but how can you trust that? I, I'm good with these guys versus Oakland, but this is a good matchup. Jeffrey's a wide receiver two. Aguilar's a decent wide receiver three. Ertz is a solid tight end one. And Ajayi is playing in his place as their lead back, though not by much. He's a low-end running back two with the others riding my bench. Uh, the perfect matchup to uh, keep building up Philly fans' uh, hopes and dreams before they go one and done in the playoffs. Well, I I know you can't trust Foles, but this is still a pretty cake matchup. I think he'll be a high-end QB, too, that I'd be comfortable starting this week. And, you know, I have Jay Ajayi as a high-end flex rather than RB2, but we're splitting hairs here. Uh, Ajayi is obviously the only Eagles running back you're playing. And I agree with what you said about the receivers, and I think this might be another big day for Zach Ertz here. And uh, give me uh, the Eagles at home. I'll take the Eagles. Uh, no buys this week. How about our streaming options? Yeah, as I just said, Nick Foles against Oakland is a very viable QB streamer, 26% owned. Uh, Foles looked fine this past week, and he gets another very easy matchup at home this week. Blake Bortles at San Francisco, 54% owned. Much like Foles, he played well this past week and, again, has another opponent with a weak secondary. Tyrod Taylor at New England we discussed as well, 38% owned. Patriots defense really hasn't been able to stop anyone lately, and uh, there could be plenty of garbage time here for them. Plenty of options there. For tight end, Eric Ebron at Cincinnati, 43% owned. We keep talking about him, continues to get targets from Stafford, and has lots of upside playing against Bagels defense, missing lots of starters due to injury. Jesse James at Houston, 24% owned, high upside in PPR. Pitt is likely playing without both Antonio Brown and Vance McDonald. James could get a ton of targets against the Houston defense, giving up the fourth most points to tight ends. And we talked about Adam Shaheen versus Cleveland, 2% owned. If you're desperate outside of Green Bay in Week 14, 
No team has had a tight end score fewer than 10 points in PPR against the Browns since week three. And then your lowest tight end pick of the week, Ricky Steeles-Jones. As uh, Mung, bring us into the defenses. All right, we've got the L.A. Chargers at the New York Jets, 67% owned. Uh, this is a must-win game for the Chargers, and it's Bryce Petty. Uh, even though the Saints defense didn't do much against him in Week 15, uh, I think the Chargers are really going to get after him here. We've got the Washington defense at home against Denver, 35% owned. Um, they're playing in a likely uh, inexperienced and uh, not very confident Paxton Lynch, and possibly without Emmanuel Sanders as well. So uh, fire up your defenses against those rookie uh, QBs. And then, uh, or I'm sorry, not rookie, but, uh, you know, those inexperienced QBs. It feels they like stink. he's basically a redshirt rookie. Yep. Um, uh, Kansas City uh, at home against Miami, 62% owned. Uh, the Chiefs defense looks revitalized the last couple of weeks. Uh, maybe it's Revis uh, in influencing that. Uh, who knows? But uh, they get to play at home against Jay Cutler. So fire him up. <laughs> and then finally, we've got Chicago at home against Cleveland, 25% owned the bears defense has actually been playing pretty well and Tariq cohen almost had a return touchdown that was again uh you know brought back just short uh with penalty and it's come on it's cleveland for our injuries for week 16 lots of notes here quarterbacks paxton lynch ankle early reports he's likely ready to return you're not starting him in most leagues but keep this in mind when making like lineup decisions if you have any broncos players or if you were thinking about starting brock osweiler Tom Savage with that concussion day-to-day, same as Lynch, not starting him, but he impacts Houston players in your championship week lineups. He is probably not going again this season. Aaron Rodgers, just a follow-up, that he looked rusty at Carolina, but is physically 100% good to go in fantasy with that shoulder. For the running backs, Austin Eckler with a broken hand out this week, droppable in all redraft formats, better days for Melvin Gordon. James Conner out of nowhere with that MCL sprain out this week, Droppable in all redraft formats, of course. Nobody steal work from Le'Veon Bell. Rex Burkhead hurt his knee. Thankfully, not an ACL tear. Awaiting more info, but he's very easy, he's doubtful this week. Not ruled out yet, but I would be highly surprised if he suits up here. Leonard Fournette, quad contusion, ankle sprain, questionable. Monitor his practice status. He's a guy that does get drafted late, so if you're relying on him, have a backup option available that isn't another Jaguar. Didn't work for me this week. Joe Mixon with a concussion day-to-day. Monitor his practice status. Tevin Coleman with a concussion day-to-day. Monitor his practice status. Damian Williams with his shoulder. He's questionable. Probably not starting him in most leagues, but if active, I would downgrade Kenyon Drake potentially uh, due to his decreased workload here. Yeah, and that wide receiver, of course, very sad. We've got Antonio Brown with that torn calf muscle. He's out this week for sure and droppable in all your redraft formats. Um, Same with Marquise Lee. He's got that high ankle sprain and likely out this week. Devontae Adams, concussion. I I wouldn't drop him just yet, just in case he does somehow miraculously go, but he's certainly doubtful for this week. Again, it's his second concussion, and Green Bay plays on Saturday, so they're losing that extra day. Amari Cooper, high ankle sprain. He's droppable. Uh, He's doubtful for this week, and hopefully you weren't relying on him anyway. Keenan Allen with that back injury. Uh, We're waiting for some more info, but it sounds like uh, he's likely going to be okay. Um, Emmanuel Sanders with that re-injured ankle. He'll be questionable, so monitor his practice status. Um, Same with Chris Hogan with that shoulder injury. He's questionable as well and continue to see if he practices this week. We've got Ted Ginn 
with the ribs. He's questionable as well. And then finally, Jeremy Macklin with that knee injury. Again, we're waiting to hear more about that, but hopefully uh, you weren't relying on Macklin in fantasy, but could change the target shares here for Mike Wallace and Ben Watson. For our tight ends, Kyle Rudolph injured that ankle, re-injured in week 15, but did return to the game, scored a touchdown. He's questionable. Monitor his practice status. And Vance McDonald, shoulder, doubtful for this week, but not ruled out. You're not starting him anyways, but would potentially bump up Jesse James's targets if both AB and Vance McDonald are both out week 16. Yep, and then some final waiver wire help for your season, your championship week, the most important matchup of the year here. Um, no one really at quarterback. We already talked about Nick Foles, Blake Bortles, and Tyrod Taylor. They're all viable quarterback streamers this week. Uh, at running back, Ezekiel Elliott, 96% owned. If your league is somehow in that other 4%, uh, congrats <laughs> on your free money here. Uh, go get them. Um, we've got Curran Williams, 35% owned. As we said, playing a bad run defense at home. Arizona's Wana going to run a ton. And Williams is a legit high-end RB3 this week and a good matchup if that quad is good to go. James White, 51%. Uh, you know, we talked about him a little bit, but even though I love Deion Lewis this week, White could see a few more touches here with Rex Burkhead um, out. And then there's he's a high-ceiling, low-floor flex option in a good offense. Mike Gillisley, we touched on, 27% owned. Really, how lucky do you feel? Um, if you want to get crazy and swing for the fences, Gillisley could get either zero points or punch in multiple touchdowns. Who knows? If you're a desperate, huge underdog with no good RB2s and you lost Burkhead, what do you got to lose? J.D. McKissick, 18%. The most blah running back option ever, but he's had eight or eight points or more in PPR the last six weeks, so he's a relatively high-floor guy um, and potential garbage time as well if Dallas puts up a lead with Zeke back. And then finally, just in case, if you're in a deeper bench league, Chris Ivory, 27%, and TJ Yeldon, 12% owned. Ideally, you're not starting any of these guys, but, you know, the early reports are for Nets back but you never know and they're worth adding especially if you're facing the Fournette owner just to deny that person some potential points at wide receiver Robert Woods 75% owned if he was dropped during a shoulder injury uh, Mung has him as a low end wide receiver too in a good matchup I have him much much higher I think this guy is straight money just like much like Ezekiel Elliott this week Mike Wallace sitting at 40% somehow still continues to put up consistent wide receiver three or flex numbers. He has a very high ceiling this week with Jeremy Macklin possibly out to increase target share and facing one of the league's worst secondaries. Tyrell Williams, 38%. If you're desperate, Williams has had some blow-up games. It's possible that Keenan Allen can't go, which would make Williams the number one wide receiver playing against a just awful Jets secondary here and we've already discussed Eric Ebron and Jesse James they're both very uh very viable high-end tight end two options here yeah um by the way uh you're if if you took the advice and added Robbie Gold last week uh you're welcome for those 24 points <laughs> um but uh just to reiterate I would avoid starting him against Jacksonville this week um, a couple options to consider at kicker just because it is the championship week Harrison Butker against Miami uh, with the Chiefs' offense revitalized as of late, uh, so is Harrison Butker. Um, only 67% owned right now. And then similarly, Jake Elliott against Oakland, 55% owned. Uh, that offense is shown to be pretty functional, even with Nick Foles leading it. And uh, this should be a pretty high-scoring game for both of these teams who are favored at home. So both of these kickers are going to be solid streaming options this week. 
And that's the way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I like it. Yeah. Um, again, uh, hopefully, if you're listening to us this week, it means you're in the money, you're in the championship game, or you're at least fighting for third place or some, you know, some kind of prize. Um, really, it's it's going to come down to crazy things happening as it as they always do in the playoffs. So good luck. Uh, best of luck to you if you have, uh, you know, more detailed questions for the most important lineups set of the year. You can always reach us on Twitter. I am at FFA underscore Mung. And I'm at FFA underscore Loth. And there's, of course, Super Producer Dan at FFA underscore Dan, D-A-N, Dan. Uh, give us a shout. Uh, it's been a really fun season, guys. It's been fun. Great talking fantasy football. Hopefully, you've had a lot of fun playing and listening. We try to not really be mundane. We try to have a good time and talk some good football. Um, I don't know whether you had fun or not. I'm having a blast out here. Yeah, and uh, more importantly, maybe even than fantasy, just Merry Christmas and Happy Kwanzaa, happy uh, Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. If you don't celebrate anything, just enjoy your free days off for no reason then. Or or if you are working, then uh, hopefully you're going to make some money. So, uh, you know, and Happy New Year as well. We probably won't return until 2018. But, uh, you know, hopefully we'll wrap up then and also maybe have some Dynasty and off-season shows for you guys. That's the plan. Speaking of making that money, if you happen to buy a new mobile device or phone or getting in on some other sort of uh, template. Uh, t- uh, wow. Yeah, I don't know the word there, but you sure do. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, whether you're listening to us on your computer or whatever mobile device you might find yourself acquiring this holiday season. You uh, Are you drunk on eggnog already? It's Christmas time in, in the George Lowe's house, baby. <laughs> it is the most wonderful time of the year, and hopefully it will be the most wonderful week of the year for your championship team. So once again, good luck, happy holidays, and as always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. Happy New Year. The first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there. They're going to hold on to everything the disease steals away. And the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen by funding research, advancing public policy, and spurring scientific breakthroughs. And by providing local support to those living with the disease and their caregivers, we're easing the burden until we accomplish our goal. But we won't get there without you. Visit ALZ.org to join the fight. Make your 4th of July celebration even bigger this year with savings on everything you need to get your yard ready for summer. Make sure your flower beds and bushes can handle the heat with special savings on Vigoro Mulch, now at a new lower price of $2.98 a bag. Keep the sun off your soil and water in the ground. Plus, add a fun pop of color that will last up to 12 months. So hurry in and get your yard ready for celebrating in the sun. Feels like 4th of July at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Available in-store and online. Color selection varies by store.